All right, uh, let me give you an aim for tonight. My aim is uh, to cause the audience to know that obedience is our response to God's grace. The two thoughts that I'm connecting there is obedience is a response. Um, you know, my aim for the book is that Deuteronomy helps us understand the relationship between uh, grace, law, and obedience. And I don't know if I put them in that exact order, but those three things. Because law and obedience is, you know, here's the law, you need to obey it. Right? We, I can understand it, but... What about grace? And I've heard in Cole, as my, I keep telling you this, Cole, our pastor, has made the comment from the, from the pulpit re- several times in recent week, recent months, he's studying Romans with us, is that even the law, Exodus, Deuteronomy, you know, the, the, grew out of the grace of God. And he, t- he took us, a couple of times he cited the event that our text tonight, remi- you know, Moses wanted them to remember that event at Mount Sinai, when God spoke to them, the mountain was on fire and so forth, and then and that set up God giving them the Ten Commandments. That that is an expression of the grace of God, because God tells tells Moses to tell the people, I want you to tell the people that I, I brought you out of Egypt on eagles' wings to make you my a people for my possession. So if God wanted the people to know. That they were there because of his gracious act of salvation for them to bring them out of Egypt. And we see that several times in Deuteronomy. We'll see Moses reminding them, to you know, exhorting them to remember that, right? And that's part of the fundamental foundation of their motivation for obedience. So, so the aim for tonight is that, that obedience is our response to God's grace. Here's why I liked the the presentation or the, 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 dis, the discussion, the, the approach that I saw in this NIV application commentary for Deuteronomy is that he, uh, he broke this chapter, at least down through verse 40, he broke it down in, into three sections. The grace of Torah, so that's uh, verses 1 through 8, is the grace of Torah, the law, the grace of law. He went into some discussion about what this Hebrew word Torah means. Uh, Verses 9 to 31, the grace of covenant. You've got the grace of Torah in verses 1 through 8. The grace of covenant in verses 9 to 31. And then lastly, the grace of salvation. Verses 32 to 40. So he sees three manifestations of God's grace. The grace of Torah, the grace of covenant, and the grace of salvation. So let me just kind of walk through that and hit some highlights. Um, the grace of Torah. He's taught, he said that, that and, and so we're looking here in the first, first verse, first couple of verses in, here in verses 1 through 8. Uh, mo, the, the Torah is normative. He got that from when Moses said, do not add from it, do not take away from it. His word for that, what that's teaching us is the word, the the Torah, the commandments, this body of law, if you will, was normative. And and he said this, only the Torah, that's, that's what you get from don't add to it, and all of it, don't take away from it. 
So don't pick and choose the parts you like, right, and ignore the parts you don't like. Anybody guilty of that? <laughs> um, I knew somebody who was that way once. Uh, no, kidding. So secondly, uh, obedience to Torah is the key to life. Now here's something that, uh, and he, he makes the point. Look at verses 3 to 4. Because he meant, I mean, I've read that. I've read it. We read it in this text, and we'll, we'll see it a couple more at least. And there's one time toward the end of the book where Moses says, This commandment I'm giving you today is your life. And I've always thought of that. I've just immediately translated that to what that would mean to me. The quality of life I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. I never took it as literally life or death. But look at what, but for these folks, the way Moses expressed it to them, look at verse 3. Your eyes have seen what the Lord has done in the case of Baal Peor. For all the men who followed Baal Peor, the Lord your God has destroyed them from among you. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. So he, he, he said, the reason you're here physically hearing, you know, hearing this message is because you did not go after Baal Peor. You stayed faithful to God. Those that went after that, who went after that false god, God destroyed them. Numbers, what did we say? It was Numbers 25. You didn't. That's why you're here. That just struck me as, again, one of those... Times you, I read the Bible and I realize there are things in here that just surprise me. I, I don't. I mean, does that mean God's going to strike us dead? I mean, is that you know, is that the application to the day? No, not at all. But, but that was what Moses told them in that context. You're here today, physically, literally alive today, because you did not go after God. That's what. That's why when I said Moses to them, why I say this law is your life. It's, it's a matter of life and death to them. Um, obedience, look at verses 5 and 6. Obedience is, obedience to the Torah is the highest privilege imaginable. He said compliance with the law is not a burden imposed on the people. It's a special privilege that will make them the envy of the nation. This is one of the verses that just, um, verse 6, 7, and 8 it's, it's threatening to be my key verse for the book. I'm, uh, it's, it's in the top five. But this notion, this concept, this understanding that uh, where he says, you know, keep, the, keep and do them, the, the, the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there, in the two things, right, that, may, that what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as, as is the Lord our God whenever we call on him? I mean, that was, we're used to that, right? We've been raised in evangelicalism, we've been around the church a little bit. We, the concept of praying and God hearing our prayers, that, that's, that is, uh, that's, Part, I mean, that's just fundamental to what we know it means to be a Christian. But in this day and time, that was radical. 
that, that some nation, some group of people, that their God would, was near to them and would hear them, hear their prayers. And then, and then secondly, verse 8, what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? That this body of rules, can we just say it that way, would be impressive to external, to outside nations. And we were talking about, about it a little bit in our group. Part of that is, in contrast to probably all the other rules, cultural rules, if you will, structures of culture, the laws that God gave them, one, they were righteous because he's righteous. Dave Coach reminded us of that in our group. So I'm taking from the NIV AC and I'm taking from Dave Coach. <laughs> I'll take truth from anywhere I can get it, right? Um, it's righteous because it comes from God. Not from, it's not man-made, which all the other systems would be man-made at, at best. But it, it, it involved, uh, it included uh, justice, rules about fairness, principles of fairness, principles of mercy. We talked just, just at the end of this chapter, which uh, just these, these, the idea of cities of refuge, the law providing provisions for somebody you know, manslaughter, you know, not, not knowing or not deliberately killed another man, there was, a, there was recourse, there was a, a way of rescue or of refuge. It just, it's provided for that sort of thing. So there are a lot of ways in which this law would be distinct and be distinctly good, better than than the surrounding cultures. So, so this, this, this law really was a, a, an, an expression of God's grace. Let me move on to um, the, the middle section. So that was the grace of Torah. And let me say one other thing, one other thought that, that, that's in here somewhere. One of the ways that this was gracious, that it is gracious on God's part to give us his laws, for, and for these people, for, for God to spell out for them what he expected, how they could know were they pleasing him or not. That was, that was uh, radical. That was, that was unique. Everybody else had to just guess whether or not they, they, they had this sense of there is a God. Maybe, maybe it's the sun. Maybe it's this graven image. Maybe it's, you know, they, they picked all kinds of things. And they had this sense of, I better please the God or the gods. The problem is, I don't know what that is. So I'm, I'm always in this sense of, you know, and if, if things were not going so well, oh, God's mad. The gods, maybe, are mad at me. It's all this confusion. Whereas with Israel and the law, they knew. Our God, this is, this is who he is and what he's like, and this is what he expects. So that's another aspect of, uh, and, and I think that that's pretty, that's very applicable to how we see the scriptures, is that we, we know um, what pleases God. We can know. So that's an act of God's grace. And then secondly, the grace of covenant. And we're going to be talking about this covenant, this concept of covenant. I think that that, this, this. What's rep, what is meant by covenant in you know the, old, the biblical concept of covenant? I think that's key to us under, to, to answering my for me answering my question, you know about what is the relationship between grace and obedience, grace and law and obedience? 
I think it, I think it, the fact that I'm in covenant relationship to God and what that means. So why do we say from verses 9 to 31 has to do with this the grace of covenant? Where does it start? Uh, verse 9. Verse 9. Um, where he says, Only give heed to yourselves and keep yourself diligent, diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb. We talked about that just a minute ago, where God spoke to them. Let them hear His voice. And look, look at verse 10, where this is Moses reminding them of why God said He did that. Where God told Moses, Assemble the people to Me, that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on earth and that they may teach their children. So there was, so God had a specific purpose to calling his people to himself to speak to them so that they would hear his voice. So then it gets down. But so look at verse 13, because I want to point out the, the Look for the places in this, what did I say, verses uh, 9 through 31. How many places is covenant mentioned? The first one's in verse 13. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform. That is, the ten, the ten words, the ten commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And he, the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments. So watch yourselves carefully. Since you look at verse 15, since you did not see any form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horbit from the midst of the fire, and then he talks a lot about graven about idolatry, graven images. Then, but move on to verse 23. So watch yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which He made with you. And the thing about the, one of the things about covenant, I think we talked about a little bit last week, or maybe the, two weeks ago. Just talking about how the book of Deuteronomy, in a lot of ways, is ordered, is put together in the form or along the lines of this suzerain-vassal covenant relationship. Remember that? And there, there's a little section in the study guide, I think it's page 14 and 15, gives a little bit of background on this. You know, these, this, these, tr this treaty form they found, the Hittites had them, apparently there's found a lot of them. The key thing about this one is, well, is you know, God initiated it, and it wasn't normally this kind of, this kind of what I call it, a suzerain. That's the superior king. The vassal is the lesser king. Normally, that happened when the suzerain, the, the superior king, has conquered the vassal king, and is imposing the requirements of the treaty of the covenant. This is how you must act. And if you don't, I will just, you know, I will destroy you. In our case, God is, it's, a, it's an act of grace. I, I saved you. I called you out of Egypt to make you my own people. And now this is how I want you to, to live as my people. Uh, so there's some similarity, but there's this fundamental difference. So verse 23 was a mention of the covenant. And then finally down in verse 31. Now, you remember, so you see, what, what's he talking about leading up to verse 31? In fact, go back all the way up to verse 25. 
It says, When you become the father of children and children's children and have remained long in the land and act corruptly and make an idol, verse 26, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you shall surely perish quickly from the land where you are going over to the Jordan to possess it. You shall not live long on it, but shall be utterly destroyed. The Lord will scatter you, make you few in number, where the Lord shall drive you, and there you'll serve God. You'll serve God's the work of man's hand. Look at verse twenty-nine. But from there, you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find Him if you search for Him with all your heart and all your soul. When you are in distress, and all these things have come upon you in the latter days, you will re- return to the Lord your God and listen to His voice. For verse thirty-one. For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. He will not fail you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant. So again, back to this, the, the, the key thought in this middle section is covenant. The grace of covenant. He will not forget the covenant that he made with your fathers, which he swore to them. And let me keep going. The third section, verses 32 to 40. So it doesn't really finish the whole chapter. It kind of breaks it at verse at the verse 40. Because verse 41 is, takes up that section about Moses setting apart these cities of refuge uh, on the east side of the Jordan. But through verse 40, 32 through 40, this, this uh, commentator titled that the grace of salvation. Because what is, what's the, the central thing that Moses is drawing their attention to? In this last section, it's that saving act, that mighty, the mighty acts of God in bringing Israel out of Egypt. I love the way he puts it. Verse 32, indeed, ask now concerning the former days which were before you since the day that God created man on earth. So it's like, think back all the way to the beginning of history and inquire from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything like this ever been done? Has anything like this been heard like it? Rhetorical questions. Has any people heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire as you heard it and survived? Right? You heard the voice. You know, you, and, and I'm, I'm impressed... These people he's talking to, they were young at the time. They heard. Moses, you saw this with your eyes. You heard his voice. Or, verse 34, or has a God tried to go and take for himself a nation from within another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by an outstretched arm, and by great terrors? As the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord, he is God. There is no other besides him. You know, I see the contrast. um, Because where else did it say that? That God wanted them to know that he is God. There is no other God. In contrast to these idols that he talked about a lot in the middle of of the chapter. About these false gods. The God of this Baal of Peor. 
that God wanted them to understand, no, there is one God. Maker, owner, maker of heaven and earth. Out of heaven, verse 36, he lets you hear his voice to discipline you. And on earth, he lets you see his great fire. And you heard his words from the midst of the fire. And here's a verse I highlighted, I underlined, just one key word in verse 37. Because, you know, why did God do all that from verse 36? Because he loved your fathers. So again, going back, again, that kind of connects back to the covenant, the original covenant God made. God started with Abraham and carried it through Isaac, Jacob. Um, because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them. And he personally, does everybody have personally in verse 37? He personally brought you from Egypt by his great power. Does anybody have a different word? I didn't check any other translations. I'm reading from the New American Standard. I'm just curious. I don't know that there's another. Personally, uh, 37, verse 37. And he personally brought you. ESV does not say personally, but it does have the phrase with his own presence. With his own presence. Okay, okay. Yeah, and I've got that as a marginal note in, the, in, I, in my NAS Bible. With his, with his presence. Yeah. And they knew what that meant. Right? Pillar of fire. Cloud by day. Pillar of fire by night. The tabernacle. You know, when they finished, remember in Exodus, they finished building the tabernacle. You remember what happened? First thing that happened. The glory of God indwelt that, that tabernacle. And I forget, did it smoke or glow? It did something. Something physical. Remember that, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, so they knew his presence. They knew his presence. So verse 39, Know therefore today, and take it to your heart, that the Lord, he is God in heaven above, and on the earth below, and there is no other. So you shall keep his statutes and his commandments which I am giving you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may live long on the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. I, I wrote this thought. Let me just, and this doesn't capture everything, but at one point I wrote this down. The law, I think I was, and at this point I was just still thinking about how the, the, the Torah, the law, uh, was an act of God's grace. The law was an act of grace on God's part. He revealed himself and his expectations or requirements to Israel. According to Romans 1.18, that passage Romans starts at Romans, verse 18 in Romans 1, everyone in all of the surrounding nations were guilty of offending God and were objects of his just wrath. But Israel graciously, sovereignly on God's part, was given the opportunity to understand more explicitly who God is and they were invited to be in a relationship with Him. So again, the, the grace of Torah, the grace of covenant, the grace of salvation. So that's the, you, you, my personal objective in studying Deuteronomy is to see grace. To see grace every... I don't want to read it into the text, but I want to see it. I want to understand um, how 
God was dealing with Israel, even when we get to the parts where the, where the emphasis seems to be on the curses. If you don't obey, this is what I'm going to utterly destroy you, and so forth. Is God's grace. God is still acting in grace. I want to see that. Let me pray for us, and we'll be dismissed. Father, again, we thank you for a chance to come together and to be in your word together and to, to see... Um, to see that you are a gracious God, to read that you, on the one hand, are a consuming fire, a jealous God, a jealous, you're jealous for us, your people, for our affection, and you're compassionate, we read in this chapter tonight, and you're a God who saves mightily with mighty acts, and, and you've given us your word that we might know, not have to wonder, but we know what you're like and who you are and how you uh, and what what how what you have done for us and what you expect from us in response so we thank you for all of this father do keep helping us as we study uh, the rest of the book of deuteronomy that we may love you with all our hearts souls minds and strength would you do that we ask it in jesus name amen amen